Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a great joy to be here. We've been looking forward to this day for a long time. Um, Thank you, Tom, for that nice introduction to the books. I actually have them up here. Uh, I I, I don't like writing myself, but uh, if you pick up a copy of this book, and by the way, don't worry about paying for it. Tom's going to pay for it if you can't. Uh, And if Tom doesn't pay for it, I will, okay? So... uh, uh, but a po- more popular book in our church is what Shirley wrote to her mother uh, over 20 years of uh, living in Togo, letters that she wrote home to mom, which is uh, very inspiring. And uh, when I first heard about it, I was wondering, are people going to read this? Well, it turns out more people are reading that than the other book, as a matter of fact. So uh, you might want to just grab both of them and take them home. Uh, I'll just say they're both available on Amazon. They're about $5 if you get the Kindle version. And uh, they're about double that, a little bit more than double that if you want to get the actual book from Amazon. Anyway, we hope you will uh, take advantage of these. Uh, All that we have around the table, we hope not to have to take any of them home with us. So, well, first of all, let me just say how, uh, what a great privilege it is to be here with you. Uh, And uh, I'm so glad that Shirley can be with me. She doesn't make it too many conferences with me these days but I'm glad that she was up to coming uh, to be here this weekend with, with me and you. Um, so just to get started, uh, I just want to uh, thank this church for being such faithful, loyal uh, prayer warriors for us and also for your generosity over all these years. It's been an amazing thing to watch your church at work. I have to tell you a little story. Uh, the first time I came here, uh, I, I witnessed what you folks are doing for your missionaries. And, uh, and I, I discovered that half of your missionaries are homegrown kids from your church. And so I had an interview with a famous church. You would all know of it if I told you, uh, just south of here, uh, on the other side of the state border. Um, <laughs> it's not a Michigan church, so maybe you wouldn't know about it. But I, I remember having an interview, the last interview I had with the church to take on support before we left for Togo. And that church uh, uh, asked me if I had any questions when we got done. And I said, yes, I have a question for you. There's a church up in Zealand that's half of their missionaries uh, actually are their own kids. I'm just curious, since you're so famous, how many people in your church are your own kids? And they looked at each other, and the pastor told the missions chairman, "Um, please answer Dr. Bob's question, please. He said, we don't have anybody right now. It turns out one other couple was getting processed to become a Navy Debbie missionary, but uh, they were... uh, uh, then the pastor said, Bob, you know, you're supposed to uh, be in their hot seat, not us. Um, so please, uh, no more tough questions like that. <laughs> anyway, well, this morning, uh, if you have your Bible, uh, turn, open, turn your Bible open to Psalm 98, if you would, just for a second. Uh, and if you uh, having trouble finding it, it's actually right on the screen here for you. And uh, uh, I would uh, read it to you off the screen that I'm looking at, but it's so small that I can't actually see it. So I'll read it from here. Uh, But 
The name of Shirley's book is What God Can Do. And uh, so we're going to talk about some verses uh, in Psalm 98 that talk about what God can do. So let's look at those together. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. I'm going to just pause for a second to tell you that uh, you guys hear missionary reports all the time. And you guys have the opportunity to hear of marvelous things that God can do. Uh, things that will blow your mind. Uh, when we get into the uh, slideshow a little bit more, I have a, a couple of marvelous things that God has done that I've never seen done before myself. Uh, his right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. His righteousness he has revealed in the, in the sight of nations. Uh, it's amazing to see how eager the people of Togo, West Africa, were to receive the good news that we brought with us. We were astonished because we're used to being in America where you can't hardly get in a door anymore. But in Africa, in many places, uh, people are dying to hear what you have to say. Well, he has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the earth, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And so every year in our hospital, we see somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people come to faith in Christ. And we've seen 50 churches planted in our area because of the hospital ministry. So let me just give you a little history about us. And uh, see, I'm, I'm looking for a clock somewhere. Um, I guess that's a good thing I don't have to. As soon as I'm finished, we'll be done. Oh, I see. It's, on the, it's right there, 10.05. Okay. Well, as many of you might remember, and if you're new, you don't remember this, but uh, I grew up on a farm just south of here in Decatur, Michigan. My, I'm the eldest of oh, seven kids. My dad uh, was a farmer. We raised sheep and hogs uh, mostly. Um, and I remember as I was growing up, uh, I was about age eight, uh, I, I have been thinking a lot, probably because of revival, revival service we were having at our church, but I, I was asking myself at night when I went to bed, how much good do you have to do in order to get to heaven? And uh, I was stunned to think that we didn't really have a good answer for that, except I found out that week that the Bible had a great answer and in fact, it was John 3, 16, 17 and 18 and 36 that I remember so well. And, uh, and many of you have memorized John 3, 16 for the, for the most part. But you know, uh, the part that bothered me the most was verse 36. He that has the son has life. But he that does not have the son does not have life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And I remember the, the evangelist speaking that night uh, just said, you know, if you haven't invited Jesus Christ into your life and ask him to forgive you of your sins, that's the only way you can get to heaven. And who wants the wrath of God abiding on him? And I remember the next day, I was too afraid to walk down the aisle. And the next day, I was trying to help my dad um, put up hay, and I was riding on the wagon, uh, trying to catch the bales. And I was thinking, if I fell off the wagon or something happened to me, the hay baler gobbled me up, I, I wouldn't make it to heaven because I knew I hadn't invited Christ into my life. So the very first thing I did that very night was I came down the aisle. The best thing I've ever done in my life was invite Christ to be the Lord of my life. And things picked up after that because I knew where I was going if something happened. I remember when I was about age 12, um, uh, I was uh, helping my, uh, my, my dad in some ways. My dad uh, got involved in politics in Michigan, be eventually became a senator in Michigan. And so I was in charge of the farm. And uh, one of the things that happened often on our farm was that the uh, sheep, uh, sometimes the, the, the mothers couldn't have their babies. And I, I would watch a mother and her babies both die. 
and I thought there must be a solution to this problem. Uh, so I, uh, I've, I, I, uh, to make the story really short, um, I discovered there's a way to get those babies out with, without uh, too much difficulty and save at least two lambs while the mother was dying. Um, and so that became kind of an exciting thing. So when I was age 12, our church invited this missionary from this area uh, named uh, Dr. or Pastor Van, Vanderski. And I remember him talking about how God helped him one day in an African village. Um, he was called to a village that he'd been to a number of times before, but they didn't really want to listen to what he had to say very seriously. Uh, except this particular day they called him because a young boy had fallen through a tree and as he fell through the tree, a, a, broken a broken branch actually ripped open his abdomen and he hit the ground with a thud and his intestines came out on the ground. Uh, and he was wondering how he could call 911, uh, except there wasn't any 911 in, in Africa. So uh, as a good Dutchman, he said, well, I know three things about this situation. Number one, I've got to clean those intestines off. Number two, I've got to get them back inside. And number three, a good Dutchman likes to get his holes plugged up, right? Uh, and so what do we do? Uh, so some lady got some water. He washed the guts off as best he could. And then he started to push them inside. You know, intestines are extremely slippery like that. And uh, he would push one in and another one would jump out. And he just sort of struggled. He was praying, God, this is not working so well. What can I do? And finally, God gave him uh, some ideas. And he finally got, got those intestines back inside. But now here's a good Dutchman with his hand in a big hole and wondering, how am I going to get out of this fix? Uh, and then he remembered as he uh, walked into the village, there was a horse. So he asked somebody to go and get some horsetail um, uh, you know, hairs, and uh, he used that for his suture, and the lady gave him a, a needle that she had and sewed him up together. Uh, but he didn't have any high expectations because he knew this wasn't a surgical suite he was working in. Uh, and uh, so... He left uh, knowing what would probably happen, but he came back a week later, and guess what? The kid was alive and well, and for the first time, it was like, some of you old folks know this, but it's like E.F. Hut Hutton was speaking, right? Everybody was listening, and many people came to faith in Christ. And I remember that morning, I was sitting toward the front of the church with my brother, um, and he looked right at us, and he said, maybe God wants one of you young guys or gals uh, to go and be a missionary in Africa as a medical person that you, so you could help people every day like that because when you help people like that, they listen to what you have to say. And it's so true. And it's still true. And that's why we plant 50 churches uh, in the last uh, 20, 40 years. Just uh, because when people who don't go to church have a chance to come to our hospital, they get to hear the gospel for the first time. Well, I've got to keep rolling along. Um, uh, as I grew up, I met this young gal just, whose dad had a farm just a short distance from ours. And I found out uh, in our youth club, uh, she was interested in missions herself and uh, actually became a nurse. And guess what happened? Uh, God called us both to Africa, uh, but not right then. But we, we knew God wanted us to be missionaries together. So we got married and uh, I went off to medical school and she helped me get through the University of Michigan Medical School. Uh, and then... Uh, God made it clear to us that our, our, our work is to be done in Togo, although we went to, to visit Bangladesh uh, the very first time with our kids, a little younger than they are in this picture coming up. So here's four boys, and I was on the faculty at the University of Michigan trying to raise funds to go somewhere as a missionary, and ABWE uh, gave us the opportunity between Bangladesh and Togo, and God made it very clear that we were supposed to go to Togo. 
So here we are, uh, just finishing language school, getting ready to shove off to Togo, West Africa. And uh, I know the people, some of my surgeon colleagues at the University of Michigan, they said, Bob, you know, there's a lot of bad snakes over there and there's a lot of bad diseases. Uh, you don't want to take your kids here. Besides, how are you going to educate your kids? And uh, I said to him, you know what? I think God has that all figured out. Uh, and so we just, we're just trusting him because he's uh, definitely made it clear to us that we're supposed to go there. So anyway, um, uh, go, to, go to 40 years plus now, and here those four boys are. Uh, they're all grown up, and they're doing some amazing things in their lives. John on the far left there, uh, he's, he's the only medical person in the family, uh, but he's an eye surgeon in Rwanda. Uh, Luke uh, decided to go to the Air Force Academy, and he's now a, a high-ranking official with the U.S. Air Force in Washington, D.C., uh, Josh is teaching English like he did a number of years ago in Amman, Jordan. And Matt, uh, he's, he's been a short-term missionary pilot in the past, but uh, he's also uh, full-time down in South Carolina for the state of South Carolina. So just to let you know, uh, the kids did survive, although many times we wondered if they would. Uh, and then, uh, yes, they were quite productive, as a matter of fact. Uh, here's 19 or 17, 13 grandchildren, along with everybody else, on our 50th anniversary a few years back. So, you know, as we, uh, as we got ready to, to leave for Africa, Psalm 67 became very, very special to us. God, be merciful to us and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving health among all nations. Let's just stop and pray for a second, can we? And ask God to speak to our hearts this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege to be here this morning, this wonderful church who loves you, loves us and missionaries around the world. We pray that this week would be very special. Maybe there's be some young people here who will be like we were, very open to saying, yes, Lord, here, here am I, send me. Maybe there's some retired folks who are looking for something else to do as well and would be willing to go for a few months, a few years, whatever you would ask them to do. And maybe there's others who would just be willing to help uh, a, a project uh, get accomplished. And uh, everyone can pray, and we thank you for all those faithful prayer warriors over all these years. Now, God, as we look into your word some more and into some examples of, of what happened because of your goodness, that you might uh, encourage us through it and help us to know how to pray better for what God is doing, what you're doing, Lord, in Togo, West Africa. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, let me just give you, uh, some of you know, maybe you've seen some of these slides before, but uh, jungle medicine in Africa is really quite different than anything here. And as you see here in this picture, just before we opened our hospital in June 12th of 1985, we had a small team of 40 people. Um, and I you can see me off to the far left there. I was a little slimmer and trimmer in those days, uh, but uh, we opened with two hospital uh, doctors, two surgeons of all things. Uh, it's a little scary when you start to think about it. Um, anyway, uh, God gave us a wonderful team of missionary uh, uh, believers who were already in our churches around there because church planting had already begun. But uh, all these people in this picture loved Jesus and they loved to share uh, to people who come to our clinic, uh, what Jesus can do for them as well. So clinic uh, starts every uh, weekday at uh, 7 a.m. And the people have been sitting around the building for at least uh, all night, some of them, hoping to get in that particular day. And uh, so as the day gets started, we uh, have a message of the gospel for them. Missionaries, initially, missionaries did that first, but now our nationals do it full time, and uh, they do such a great job. 
And then while people are in their clinic getting seen individually, we have more chances, opportunities to share the gospel with them uh, so that they can understand what they need to do to get to heaven. So virtually everybody that comes to our door uh, gets to hear the gospel story. Uh, down at the central nursing station at the hospital, people get admitted. And just to make sure we're true to our message, the first sheet you will see on a patient's chart is what we call the spiritual progress sheet. And that spiritual progress sheet actually tells us uh, all, of our, all of our employees uh, love Jesus and uh, have been trained in evangelism to speak with their patients. And that includes the guys who work in the yard, the maintenance people, everybody come in and take their turns uh, sharing the gospel with the patients who are in, in our uh, hospital. But anyway, we can see every day who's seen them and what the result was. You know, usually the first two entries are they're thinking about the gospel. Very rarely to say nobody wants to listen. And then often on the second or third day, it says, just trusted Christ. And that's one of our goals. That's so exciting. So that's, that's how we get all, all those uh, decisions made. And then we try to uh, match them up with the church that we've planted, which is so exciting. So they get to go. And our churches are growing at a rate of about 15 to 20% a year because people who truly trusted Christ are seeing the difference Christ is making in their lives. And they want to become very active in God's work. So um, just to give you an idea, we, uh, we're reaching out to people who have little kids who get deathly sick from malaria so often. That's our most common cause of death out there. And so uh, we ask God for wisdom, and we actually get most of them through it by God's grace. And that makes it a huge opportunity to share, uh, again, in people's lives about the, with the gospel. The other nice feature we have you don't have in your hospitals here anymore, we have large open wards. So there might be 15, 20 people in an open ward like this. So as you share the gospel, go around bedside, People get to hear it over and over again. Uh, anyway, it's just, a, it's just a great opportunity to, to share God's love. And uh, people, be, I, I have so many good stories to share about how that uh, there's the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man who didn't receive Christ and the foolish man uh, who just left without accepting Christ. We had one one day who actually died right after being warned. You, you don't know that you even have tomorrow and he dropped up, died of a heart attack. And uh, it's, uh, Funny thing, everybody on the mail war day that day became a believer in Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, um, this is our recovery area where we uh, actually, it's our ER by night and recovery room uh, for people having surgery. And then this is our uh, OB ward that's uh, relatively new. Now, I just want to introduce you to our surgeons uh, that are uh, part of our work team now. Um, as you know, uh, as I mentioned before, I was the only guy for a long time uh, that was a surgeon. Uh, but now we have uh, two guys there full-time and uh, two more who will be there by the end of this year, or next year. Uh, so we're looking at uh, our surgeons want to train Africans to be surgeons as well. So that's in the works maybe a year from now. We'll, you'll see more about that. And then God just brings us amazing people. Here's, here's a group of plastic surgeons from a, a great Baptist church down in South Carolina, or North Carolina, who come every year uh, to our hospital and uh, help us do some big cases like Cliff lifts and cliff pilots are the most common things that we take care of. I remember when we operated on this little girl. We brought her back from the operating room, and I remember handing this little gal with just some story strips across her face, all patched up. It's always on, no, no big dressing. And her mother saw that, and she actually just sort of fell on the floor, you know, just crying with great, great joy. My little girl can now get married someday and have a family of her own, because that wouldn't happen otherwise. Well, one of the biggest events in my life is after our kids grew up and we had the empty nest syndrome. And uh, Shirley, 
uh, I, I, had, I had twisted her arm maybe just a little bit, but uh, uh, she uh, eventually volunteered with a little, a little a bit of coaching uh, to become a nurse anesthetist, uh, trained on the job. Uh, and uh, so it was my dream come true to have her actually come to the operating room and work with me. And uh, when I, whenever I say that, if she gets to talk to you about that, she's, she's going to tell you something. She'll say, yeah, your dream was my nightmare, right? <laughs> Uh, well, she would often tell me in the middle of a really bad case that wasn't going well, Bob, you need to stop this operation. I'll give some more blood, but you need to stop making a mess and let this patient out of here so they, don't sur so they survive. Okay, yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right. Well, she really got very involved in uh, uh, nursing care for uh, triplets and stuff like that, too. That was always exciting. But the one big thing that she did do that was so exciting for all of us was that she put the gospel in French across the top of the OR wall. So most of our patients get spinals, uh, so they're wide awake. And so the anesthesia person, whoever it is, uh, can share the gospel with them while I'm or, or somebody else are operating on them. And uh, that's, a, that's an exciting adventure. Let's see, I gotta keep rolling along. Anyway, um, uh, many times I've heard people praying to receive Christ as I put the last stitch in to go and to go and leave the uh, operating room. Well, another big feature that we're praying about is medical education, sort of alluded to that, but we've had a nursing school for the last 15 years. We've trained over 100 nurses now in Togo. They're the best nurses in all of Togo. We're probably a little bit uh, prideful about that. But um, the other thing that we do is that we are training other people like Many of you might remember Todd D. Krager from uh, Portage, Michigan. They used to live right, right in here in Grand Rapids before they came to Togo. But uh, here I am, uh, along with a number of other surgeons, we're training Todd, who's a surgical PA, how to actually do surgery. And uh, actually, he got so good at doing so many different cases when we moved to the, our new hospital. He was training the surgeons who came out to Togo how to do things. But anyway, you all know God took him to heaven right after we opened that new hospital up there, and we dearly miss him. But as a result of all of that, uh, I'm also on the board of the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons, and we're so excited because in January, we will start training our own surgeons in our northern hospital that's newer uh, because they're all ready for us. But uh, here's, here's some numbers, just to take a quick peek at. We've been busy every year. Uh, God's uh, given us an amazing number of people, and we've seen so many come to faith in Christ. And we get so many young people who want to come and help us out on a short-term basis as well. So if you can't come full-time, we'll take uh, short-term people any day of the week who love Jesus as well. And just to give you an idea of what kind of other ministries we have, sports ministries is a big thing. Uh, soccer, of course, is the number one thing. And so we do like the athletes in action kind of thing. We go and halftime, we'll, we'll share the gospel with another team we're playing somewhere in the area. So... Uh, and then the youth ministries, uh, Shirley was having Bible studies every Wednesday with over 300 kids showing up, um, which making tremendous roads into different families who don't know Christ. And then, of course, uh, we're very involved in the cuisine, which is where the patient's families stay, where we can share the gospel with them. And it's a, a village will look just like this, too. So we have many opportunities to share Christ wherever we are. So this is just to say, when you... Scratch people where they itch, sort of. Uh, when you help people save their lives, it, it opens up vast doors. And so, as I said at the beginning, here are the mother churches that uh, uh, many sister churches were born uh, later than or are becoming independent churches now. But that's, these are the uh, 14 first mother churches that, were, that we had uh, probably 20 years ago now. 
So we, probably the most fun thing I've done as a surgeon is be involved in church planning and evangelism in the villages. And it's fun to watch a little grass hut like this fill up with people that have been led to Christ in a village. And then the greater joy is actually baptizing them and listen to their testimonies. It's amazing. And then our churches just continue to grow, as I mentioned. Uh, and this is the church that we had the joy of uh, watching come to independence before we came home uh, permanently. But uh, it's fun to go back uh, several times a year and just to be a part of, of those churches and see what God's doing. So just uh, future plans. Uh, some of you are sitting here wondering, wonder if God's speaking to me. Wonder if God wants to do this or that for me. Uh, so here are some opportunities for you to think about it. We need some OBGYN people to come and help me. We would love, we'd have never had anybody full-time, um, but we would like to have somebody come full-time if possible, but we'll take short-term people any time as well. And uh, um, we need two pediatricians in the future. Our older, our older one is getting ready to retire. Uh, we need some more nurse educators as well. Uh, we need some primary care providers, family practice, internal medicine, PAs, NPs, whatever. Nurse practitioners and PAs basically function like the doctors out there. So it's, a, it's an exciting adventure. These are just some other needs that we have uh, in other areas. And if, uh, we'd love to talk to you if you were in one of these categories and would be interested in going. The other big thing is, you know, we're, uh, we've been raising money for some time to expand our hospital from 50 beds to 75 to 100. Uh, we've, we've received over 6 million so far and we're bu building like crazy. Uh, hopefully next year, about this time, we'll uh, actually have this hospital open for training residents. And this is what it'll look like. Uh, so uh, praise God uh, for this uh, amazing building. It's probably not going to be quite as big as the artists drew it here, but it's, uh, it's going to happen, Lord willing, in another year or so. Well, let me just uh, quickly remind you that uh, God took us to Mongo, and I got a few minutes to share and finish up with this. Uh, but um, it's, it's the most desperate area uh, as far as poverty and as health care. Hardly non-existent health care has been available in this country for a long, long time. So as you know, in uh, 2002, God took us up there for a survey, and uh, God led us to start a new hospital up there. It was, uh, or it was opened and inaugurated uh, in 19, or excuse me, 2015. But so uh, here we are in an airplane. We, fly, we can fly between our two hospitals in a Cessna 206, a two-hour drive instead of an all-day drive. And when we first came, it was just a, a Muslim city by far with a, at least 12 mosques throughout the city, no gospel outreach, uh, very rural, dirt, dirt poor people who uh, live in the same way they did except for cell phones centuries ago. And when the first time we saw the Mongo Hospital, we saw people in a hospital that were just went there to die, basically. Some people referred to it as a hospital of death. And we could see why. Nobody was caring for these people. And so uh, the question was, can you help us? We've been visiting your hospital in the South. So we thought about it. We were still struggling in the South. But uh, God helped us uh, bring it. God brought together an amazing team. Uh, we're in the foreground right there looking South. But uh, this is a city of 50,000 people that needs a real hospital. And so in, 19, or in 2015, we opened the doors of our brand new hospital and uh, our missionaries uh, just kept growing on the number of missionaries called to come and serve. And I remember the first day we opened our doors, like, uh, uh, I don't know, three or 400 people showed up. 
much. And uh, anyway, we had to start dealing with a, a huge demand for our services, which is glor uh, glory. Um, these are the crowds that showed up for the inauguration, like over 10,000 people showed up. The president of the country showed up, he cut the ribbon and uh, asked us all about our hospital. So let me just introduce hospital services to you. We have a wonderful registration area that's already being outgrown. Uh, we have 10 wonderful clinic rooms, all connected together with the internet and the availability of lab results and x-rays right there. And this is our central nursing station. All the, the most sick people in the, in the hospital are uh, in an ICU or something around this big central area. You can sort of get an idea from this diagram, the central nursing station in the center with all the ICUs surrounded from pediatrics to everyone else. Uh, so these are our open wards. The, the blue thing around there is designed just for Muslims because blue is like having a rabbit's foot in, foot in their eyes. Uh, they think that's a really cool idea. Um, anyways, God just gives us so many opportunities. This is the first mother who had a baby in our hospital. And these are the famous nurses that we've trained in the past. We now train nurses in this hospital as well. And this is our lab. We have a very modern lab that's doing a great job, uh, helping us to do all the necessary things to diagnose what people have going on. And our pharmaceutical supply, we have a very economical system so that people can afford uh, uh, their medications. This is our x-ray department. It's uh, digital, which means it's the latest thing on the planet, and uh, we love it. It might be the best system we have in the whole hospital. Well, we have these beautiful operating rooms. We have four of them uh, where God uh, opens the door for us to help people with surgical problems. And I just want to introduce you to the four surgeons uh, that are now uh, uh, there. And uh, in two months, they will, in January, they'll begin training the first uh, surgeons uh, in our history at ABWE. So all these young men, uh, except for John Briggs, some of you know John Briggs because he's from just north of here, but he's been on Togo for quite a while, but he's also been trained as a family practice doctor to be a surgeon uh, on, the, on the job. So anyway, just uh, pray for these men as they take on a huge responsibility soon. And then just to uh, make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing is sharing the gospel. We have the, um, just an outstanding group of evangelists who work with our medical team doing visitation, uh, they, they make sure that people get to see the Jesus movie in four different uh, languages uh, every week. Uh, and here we are talking to people about Jesus on the wards. And people are asking, wow, this is a little crazy. We've never been to a hospital like this where you pray for everybody. I said, can you come to my village and tell me, tell our village about Jesus? So here's one of our chaplains sharing the truth with the man at the bedside. And we are seeing Muslims come to faith in Christ. Yeah, and it's amazing. And so they, they go out to villages like this and uh, hold uh, Bible studies uh, in over uh, 20 villages now. It's really, it's, it's an amazing thing. And it's kind of amazing, a village that can't afford water or electricity can watch the Jesus movie on an iPad right there in their village. Pretty exciting. And then uh, here's a uh, picture that's uh, just infamous. When 26 Fulanis accept Christ in a short period of time and start their own church, this has never been recorded before in, in Africa that I know of. Uh, they've been the most resistant people to the gospel. And here we see people coming to faith in Christ. What an exciting adventure for all of us. So just some of the numbers that happen there. Every patient gets to hear the gospel multiple times usually. You can see, we, I know this is snake bites. We see lots of snake bites up there as well. So, so you already know a little bit about the future plans is opening up the new hospital. These are the same kind of people that we need up north. Uh, as well as down south. 
So just pray for the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons as, uh, as our, our men join this. And our vision is to train our Ap African surgeons and their families how to share the gospel and to grow in Christ. So they will basically finish with a Bible Institute degree when they finish their training over four years. So the reason this is so important is uh, just what Apostle Paul said to Timothy. In church planning, we say this all the time. We wouldn't, we wouldn't think of church planning without a Bible Institute. Well, we're trying to do the same thing and have our own medical, school, medical training area for surgeons as well. So just pray for these guys. These are exciting guys. They're very, very knowledgeable guys. And when they get done with their five years of training, they're better surgeons than any of us Americans have ever been because they learn all the specialty subjects as well. So if you're a gifted trainer, a medical person, talk to me as well. And uh, one other guy from your town right here is a good friend of mine, John Dunkersloot. He went to Togo with me as a medical student. And um, he's, he's actually uh, was just, uh, just out in... Uh, uh, Burundi, uh, helping out as well. Anyway, uh, maybe all you want, maybe you'd rather instead of going, maybe you'd rather help support a resident. It costs us about twenty-five thousand a year uh, to train a resident. And then uh, the Hospital of Hope, we need these people as well, uh, as well as, as these people. Um, so just to remind you, when God wants to get a job done, he doesn't always look for the person who has the most tremendous talents or great abilities. He looks for someone who's willing to go anywhere, pay any price, and do his will. Well, um, this, is a, this is part of our team, and they're just uh, eager to tell you the same thing I've been telling you. Come and join us. It'll be a, a lifetime adventure for you. So, um, so maybe the, uh, the hound of heaven wants you to be far happier in some dangerous and dirty work in a place where Christ is unknown. I like uh, what uh, John Piper said. If you live gladly to make others glad in God, your life will be hard, your risk will be high, and your joy will be very, very full. <laughs> so true. So as my Father has sent me, Jesus said, so send I you. And surely I just want to say thank you uh, for supporting us over all these years. It's been wonderful to be your missionary. And if you want to be uh, in real contact with us uh, every couple of months, every quarter, um, you could be receiving this newsletter, uh, medicalfriendsoftogoorrundogether.org. And uh, it'll come to your mailbox and your email if you'd like to do that. Please stop by the book table later, and we'd love to chat with you some more. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, brief time we've had together. We stand amazed at the glory of your word and the glory of the gospel that takes simple-minded folks like us and a team of churches and prayer warriors to see amazing transformations in people's lives. Thousands of people who have come to faith in Christ and are growing in their faith. Thank you for this church. Pray that you continue to bless this uh, church. And uh, we pray, God, that you might call some uh, out of this church uh, to come and serve as well, wherever that would be. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.